Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, September 8th, the Big Family, Big Problems edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mother to Naima, who's nine, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I host the Best Advice Show podcast, and I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, just turned five, and my youngest, Ami, is about to turn two. Well, today, we've got a letter from a large family, not cheaper by the dozen big, but still pretty big. Our letter writer feels out of step with smaller families, especially when it comes to playdates. Can she convince others that their loud, rambunctious family is a lot of fun to be around? Or is her family just too much for other people? Then on Slate Plus, we're reflecting on The Daily's recent episode about the teen mental health crisis. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. The idea that kids are coming in and saying to their doctor, like, something is wrong, I think is at least a positive step forward that we can recognize, like, I don't have to feel like this, or I shouldn't have to, you know, feel so lonely, or like, I don't have the tools to deal with this. So who can I go to to get more tools? And how can I navigate this world? Not only do you get a bonus segment from us every week, but you get to listen ad-free when you have Slate Plus. And it's not just us. You get to listen ad-free to all of Slate's content, and you won't hit a paywall on our site. This show wouldn't be possible without Slate Plus memberships. Please consider joining if you can. You can sign up by going to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. Okay, we're going to catch up on our week in parenting, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. 
Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back. Zach, have you triumphed or failed this week? Uh, a little bit of both, but it's a, it's a triumph in the end. Two weeks ago was my daughter's birthday, which I described in great detail. And a week after is my wife's birthday. And then a week after my wife's birthday is my son's birthday. So I'm swimming in Virgos here. And, you know, Noah just turned five. And so on the morning of her mother's birthday, I wanted to make it very special. I want Shira, my wife, to know that she's loved. And, you know, I wanted her to have a really happy birthday. But Noah was still like in her birthday mode because it was just the week before. And, you know, five-year-old's birthday, like it stretched several days long. It was a big topic, right, in our house. It's like a huge, a huge thing that we were preparing for, celebrating. And then even in the wake of it, it was still like we're playing with her new gifts. And she wasn't ready to give up the crown. Do you know what I mean? Like she wasn't ready to put her uh, her birthday vibes aside and and start lauding her mom. At least she wasn't right away. And so like the morning of Shira's birthday, Noah was being like super crabby and being just not kind to her mom on the day that she deserves the most kindness. And I was disappointed in Noah for not giving the birthday love that her mom deserved. And it was just like a crummy way to start Shira's birthday off. And uh, I was trying to explain to Noah, like, you know, we Noah, we had such such a good time celebrating you. We love you so much. And just think about all the, the energy that we spent, you know, planning your party and getting ready for your birthday. Like, mom deserves that too, don't you think? And it was after, like, she had kind of calmed down from her initial huff that I had that conversation with her. And um, by the time we were celebrating Shira's birthday with a dinner following evening. I made a little toast. Some of our friends were over uh, just talking about Shira and, you know, just giving her, giving her my birthday love to her. And then I said, Noah, would you like to to give a toast or, or a poem or a song or something just to show mom, you know, what she means to you? And she proceeds to make the most beautiful speech, really like precise observations about about like how Shira does the things she does. And she just like totally hit it out of the ballpark. And I think she saw, um, first of all, I think, you know, it's fun. It was fun to her to, to kind of have some attention as she performed the speech. But I think she saw and felt what it meant to, to not just take all the birthday love with which she had the previous week, but to actually give it and like to really think about like what it, what the world is like with, with her mom um here and it was just it was just so nice and i feel like now she's like shira and i both like giving speeches and i feel like she's like on that team now of people that like like to craft personal speeches on special occasions and it's kind of welcoming her to the club but i was also just so proud of the 180 she made from being a little scoundrel the morning before to being this like lovely uh birthday well-wisher the following day i like that you believed in her enough to toss her Dose like that that could have gone another way (laughs) (laughs) well if you i mean she's a rosen i knew that that she would be interested in it i didn't think it was something that she she would be able to handle no i mean i i love that you knew she'd come around and rise to the occasion oh gosh that's so lovely and what a nice gift to shira i don't know just like getting those moments from your kids are some of the best the best gifts you can get you know kind of their honest picture of you in some ways. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Shira's love language is is words of affirmation. So that's like exactly what she wanted more than anything. And she got it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
What about you, Elizabeth? Triumph or fail? Uh, we're gonna call it in the middle. In the, in the end, you know, I always think it's a triumph in the end. <laughs> Um, so we went to South Dakota this weekend. You know, we love to travel and get away. And we they give us these four-day weekends as as military holidays and kind of expand our holiday since the guys technically are, or my husband's technically working like weekends. We have to take leave if he's going out of town, even on a weekend. So we got this four-day. We were like, great, we're going to go to South Dakota. Oliver wanted nothing more than to see Mount Rushmore, but he calls it Mount Mushmore. <laughs> So we planned this this whole driving trip, and our first stop was in Nebraska at this place called Scott's Bluff, which is one of the like waypoints on the Oregon Trail. And the kids had been kind of into this because since we've pretty much everywhere you drive from here, you are hitting one of the Oregon Trail waypoints. And so we've been talking about it a lot and why people might want to um, move and also the like travesty that was us moving and taking land that wasn't us. So this has been kind of a huge conversation. And so we're at um, Scott's Bluff and they finish their junior ranger packets. We're all excited. And Henry sees this book up on the shelf called Donner Dinner Party. And it is one of our, um, there's this graphic novel series called Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales. And I actually think I was first introduced to them by a, by a listener to the show when we went to visit the Ironclads in Georgia. It's like Civil War stuff. So they have this one on the Donner Party. And Henry is like, can we get this? I need something to read on this trip. I'm like, okay, great. I I obviously know what the Donner Party is. And like, okay, this will be fun. We'll talk about it. Hey, by the way, you know, in this, the Oregon Trail goes terribly wrong and people are going to eat each other. Okay, no problem. So he reads the book and he's like, Wait, you, you mentioned that to him before? Yeah, yeah. I said to him, like, hey, before I purchase okay, this, that's great. by the way, uh-huh. this is, like, about cannibalism. <laughs> and I I knew, like, the way that these graphic novels approach this stuff is, and I knew it wasn't going to be, like, pictures of people, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Um, but obviously, the hazardous part of this tale is that, like, in survival moments, people have to do all kinds of stuff. So um, we buy it. He's, like, reads it, has some questions, then... Oliver reads it and, you know, he's our eight-year-old, a little, has a little more kind of questions (laughs) about it. But it becomes kind of this constant topic of conversation to which Teddy then gets the book and he's looking at the book and he's like, where is the part where they eat people? And so, you know, I'm like, hey, when we stop, we like sit by this creek and I'm like reading him the section of the book. Like, look, they have no food and they are stuck. The snowstorm has come. They really do not know what to do. Like they have eaten the roof, the rawhide roof of their home. They're eating shoes, you know, all of this. And he looks at me and he says, "Um, how do they have mouths big enough to eat whole people? And I was like, no, no, like, honey, they they cut them up, they cook them. They actually had this whole rule that you wouldn't eat someone that was of your own family, you know, and he's like, OK, you know, I could probably eat a baby, though. <laughs> I was like, this has gone <laughs> so, so off the rails. Not exactly, you know, I'm like, actually, they only ate the men, <laughs> except that at the very end this one person ate this woman. So we got into this whole discussion. I posted something on Instagram and a bunch of people recommend that I listen to this podcast called You're Wrong About. They just had an episode on the Donner Dinner Party. It was like amazing. That is where I found out that apparently Abe Lincoln was going to be part of the Donner Party. He's like best friends with one of the guys and was going to go. Super, super fascinating. Um, A lot of good jumping off points to just talk about how 
desperate people can be in these survival moments and also how history like sensationalizes um, things. (laughs) But, you know, it was like days later, they're still asking (laughs) like it's still kind of mulling around in their brains and they have these questions (laughs) and i'm just like okay can we leave the cannibalism behind so again educating children is a hazardous job in and of itself (laughs) the thing about teaching them things is that they're going to want to know more yeah yeah (laughs) they just want to know more and i don't have (laughs) i don't have all the all the answers (laughs) oh anyway highly recommend though you're wrong about the podcast was excellent so everyone who recommended that to me um it's definitely not kid friendly listening there's a lot of um cursing and they went into a little more detail on cannibalism than i went with the children i was actually able to answer some more of their questions in very educated ways after listening to the podcast so without having to google things about cannibalism which is the other problem right like you can easily dive down that hole and get all kinds of weird search results that you didn't want to know Yes, true. You're wrong about it. It's filled with so much good information. They researched the, the, the shit out of that show. It's amazing. It was awesome. Anyway, Jamila, how was your week? Well, the week was pretty fine. Um, we got today was our first day back at school after a long weekend. The kids here had Friday and Monday off for Labor Day. So that was good for Naima. This morning, she was eating breakfast while I was packing lunch and doing other little things, you know, to prepare her to get ready. And she's watching TV, so she's eating on the couch. And I go into the living room, and I just see spilled milk and cereal all over the couch. But what bothered me was that, like, I didn't see a person who was reacting to this. She's still watching TV. It's like this thing has happened, but I am paying attention to whatever she was watching on TV. And so I was like, Naima, get up. You know, like, come on. You you weren't going to say anything. You weren't going to do anything. And she says, I was. See, you're not listening to me. And I'm like, no, Naima, you were wrecked. You were, like, watching TV with no focus on anything but that like you is the second you spill a butt like it was a lot you know it wasn't like a little spill it was like a significant cereal spill on this couch that isn't that old and had to be purchased because the last couch just got like disgusting with food and you know and I tried so hard to keep the couch clean and I just you know I fussed at her and she said you know you're always yelling at me. I do not yell. Raising my voice and yelling are the same thing to her. Um, But, you know, you're always yelling and just one day I'm going to write an autobiography. And do you want it to be that, like, my parents always yelled at me when I was a child? I suppose my failure is yelling at my child because now I live in fear of what she's going to write about me someday. That is such a smart strategy from her to, to lord that over your head. Yeah. That's so smart. I feel like you should say something, though, like, if you write that book sitting on a clean couch, then I will die a happy woman. (laughs) (laughs) I should have said that. You know, whereas as if if you write it sitting on a couch covered with your milk and spilled cereal. (laughs) You You could also threaten that your memoir, though, is going to come out years before hers. That's true. She better be careful. That is a very good point. Like, do you want my book to say that you spill cereal milk all over the new couch and did nothing about it is that how you want to be reflected oh i like this <laughs> it's true my book i need pages so i could write that today i mean i feel for you because that is what i hate too is like 
I want to raise you to be a person that understands that when you spill something, we have to clean it up. Like it just gets worse. Like this TV is capable of pausing and looking stuff up, like all of these things that we did not have when we were children. And we still cleaned up the milk. (laughs) We still would have cleaned up the milk. Like the show would have been over. You would have never seen it again. Sorry. That's too bad. You missed that part. It's done. Maybe one of your friends at school can tell you about it. You literally could have paused the TV and made me so proud. Even if she just got up to say, mommy, I spilled, That's right. you know, That's I right. wouldn't have expected her to clean it up because she wouldn't have done a good job. Or just at least go walk and stand near it, holding the cloth, you know, some, yes, some acknowledgement, something. <laughs> some acknowledgement, something. I feel something. yeah. Cause sometimes I feel like that's, that's the stuff I worry about. I don't want them to live in filth because you know they were never taught to clean up (laughs) right like do you just think that your couch can smell like cereal milk forever and it'll be okay but also i mean her response shows that no one will ever walk over her so also good job (laughs) yeah no naima is a lot of things a pushover is not one of them be clear all right well on that note we're gonna take another quick break and we'll see you right back here for our listener question Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, let's dive into our listener questions. Dear mom and dad, we recently added baby number four to our already loud, rambunctious, happy family. Ever since, I feel like we're totally falling out of step with most other families we know. My oldest is in third grade, and it seems like most of his friends' families have a third grader and a kindergartner. When we had our third, other families were kind enough, and I didn't feel out of place. But now that we have a third grader, a kindergartner, a toddler, and a newborn, I feel really out of step. Plus, it's likely we'll have at least one more baby. It seems most families are not interested in spending time with kids that span a few ages. Maybe the problem is that we don't do a lot of sports or extracurriculars. My kids are usually barefoot and don't have tech, so you'll find them whittling sticks or trying to hatch tadpoles or baking something weird. Honestly, we'd love to unschool our kids and spend all day in the woods with them if we had the life structure that allowed it. It seems like other big families are this way, at least according to Instagram. So how does a family like ours, big, rowdy, and a little untraditional, fit in with smaller families? Do we need to move out of our city and become a van family to find our people? I like the other families we know from public school, despite our different philosophies, but maybe we're too much for them. We've tried inviting people over to our house, but it never seems quite to work out since everyone has soccer seven nights a week and travel cello tournaments or something every other weekend. Thanks. Our family is kind of a lot. 
Well, Elizabeth, you have a big family and you all are somewhat non-traditional. What kind of advice do you have for this letter writer? So I think this letter writer just hasn't found her people yet. And I feel for her. I mean, I have definitely felt this. I can empathize so much because even with three, especially now that we have like two, what I would call older, mostly functional on their own children. And then we have Teddy. It feels like if we go to play dates with older kids, Teddy is super bored and the big kids don't want to play with him. Like we have that kind of problem. Or if we go to something with the younger kids, the 10 year old is sort of like, well, this is a baby play date. So first, what I try to do is on those play dates, expand the friend group. I I call this casting a wide net, right? Like invite a bunch of people because there are other two people families that have younger kids. If your kids are all in school, go to some parks during the day, find some friends for your younger kids too. I do find that parents with younger kids, it's kind of easier to entertain some of the older kids at those play dates. And a lot of times, you know, you could invite one friend over for your third grader or one family with a third grader and kindergartner, and then another family over, you know, and if that if your house is not suitable for that, like, just send a message out, we're going to the park at this day, who can join or we're, we want to go do this hike or whatever and see who is willing to come. I also think if you feel like where you fit in are these kind of like more crunchy or unschooling groups or whatever you're finding in your area, there is no reason that you have to be unschooling, homeschooling, whatever, to join these Facebook groups, join these whatever, and participate in the events that fit in your life. Because these people are also meeting After traditional school hours, there are plenty of people in our kind of local homeschool group that I go to for activities who are not homeschooling. What they are looking for is extracurricular activities like they don't want to do the traditional extracurricular activities. They want to go on a hike with a bunch of people on a weekend or after school or see what's going on. And we do not care who is homeschooling, who is not homeschooling. We're just looking for other people that, you know, have kids to hang out with our kids and want to hang out at the park. So I think seek out those. Don't close off those groups just because you are doing something else. I We have plenty of families that are, some of the kids are in school, some of the kids are not in school. We have others that just can come to weekend things. There are homeschoolers who parents work and the only time they can really do things are after work hours and on weekends. So if you feel like that is kind of more your thing, I actually feel like the extracurricular problem is the bigger problem here rather than the size of your family. I know it's just hard. I have three kids. They all each do kind of one thing. That's three nights, you know, a week for me. So if you have even other big families um, that you're trying to meet up up with, there's just a lot going on. So I think cast a wide net, keep looking. It's okay to have some friends that you sort of have at school and see and talk to moms and then find other friends that are your kind of more crunchy, send the kids out into the woods to whittle friends. That's totally fine. Yeah, there's absolutely a whittling group, like big whittling family group on Facebook. I was going to say the same thing, like do the things that you love to do and notice who else is there. As simple as like, we've, we've met friends at the park who we don't go to school with, but we vibe with them at the park. A big part of it is like, if your kids and my kid are getting along, that's great. But I also like want to like have a compatible, fun friendship with someone. And that often starts with me meeting someone or vice versa and, and asking them out on a, a family play date. So like, you're doing really cool stuff. Like you're not alone in the woods all the time. Join these clubs that isn't like so time intensive, but maybe it's just like, you know, one Saturday a month we go on we go on a hike. And like I totally agree that I too don't want to overprogram our lives. So just like 
be sparing with it, but like find the one that like looks really cool and like commit to that for, you know, the season or something, because there will be other cool people doing the thing that you like to do because you both like to do them. I agree with you both. I'll just add, you know, as part of a very small family, it can be a little overwhelming sometimes to be around bigger families. You know, I think it's important that larger families know how to do things in groups, in smaller groups. You know, like sometimes some activities are not for everyone. Like there may need to be a play date where one parent accompanies one or two children you know, to hang out with one parent and one or two children. And that's it. You'll come across that with birthday parties there. You know, most people who open up their home are not going to be prepared for four kids and two adults. And that's okay. And I understand that can be frustrating because you want to spend your weekends together as a family and you want to have as much time together as a unit. But sometimes the unit has to split off so that the individual members of the unit can have meaningful relationships with other people. You know, like your children need to be able to develop friendships with kids that don't necessarily have a kindergarten sibling. Um, it shouldn't be the case that if that if another family doesn't have enough kids to, you know, balance out with your kids that you guys just can't hang out. So just think about, you know, finding ways where maybe two kids or three kids go with one parent to do one activity or hang out with one social group and one kid goes with another. That's not a bad thing, you know, and I do think that if you do what Zach and Elizabeth have said, you know, and do your digging, you'll find your people, you'll find other big families, you'll find people that have similar interests to you. But that's not the only way that socializing can and should look for you all. Jamila, I love this idea of separating out. And that's definitely something that we try to take advantage of too. And, you know, it's so nice, like if you're just taking the big kids to be able to stand and talk or just taking the babies to a baby play group. We also sometimes like if, if I know that we're going to somewhere with two younger kids, I will invite one of Henry's friends to come along because once you have a big family, sometimes it does feel like what's one more kid. And if I can make sure that Henry has someone, right, then I have by taking another child, I've actually reduced my total workload. And I find that I do that a lot because Henry is one of his best friends is an only. And so when we go there, they're inviting five of us over to a house of three. I mean, it is like all you know, that is a like huge thing, but they are always happy to just take Henry. Like, you know, she all the time is like, why don't you just drop Henry off here? He gets a whole bunch of attention. They play nicely and don't bother, you know, the parents, which is great. I'm down one. And I love taking her with us because it entertains Henry. So I think too, it's okay to, to ask to do those sort of things to make, to make this work for your family. Zach, do you have bigger families that you guys hang out with, or is it mostly other sets of four? Um, no, we have some. We have some three firsts. We don't have four firsts yet, but we're still we're still kind of early on. We still have young kids, so I'm very open to it, and I'm excited for the the big ones. But yeah, um, it also just depends like where. But like the park again is like the magnet for for our neighborhood, and so there's all sorts of opportunities for mismatched ages to to get together and for us to to hang with with bigger families yeah we just seem to have a lot of big families around us like i i feel like our family of five is not large here 
Like, like we have lots of people, a lot of our back Nord neighbors have way more than three kids. And so it's nice. Wow. What's the biggest family you know? We know one with eight boys. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> wow. Have you wow. been to their house? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's good, though, because I always look at her and think, okay, she's she's still here. <laughs> like, I can, you know, I can do this. Yeah. Um, Does she have any twins or triplets? One set of twins. And I bet everyone asks her, were you trying for a girl? <laughs> but yeah, no, they're lovely. And I mean, they are just a big, a big fun family. So, yeah. Well, uh, our family is kind of a lot. Keep us updated. Everyone else, if you have some advice for them, please send us a voice memo or an email at slate.com. That's also where you can send questions of your own. That's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday, so be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Christy Tywo Macanjola and Rosemary Belson. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.